Welcome to another deep dive episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the attitude era of WWE 20 years later. I'm your host, Aaron Benoit, joined as always by our wrestling historian, Bobby Hankinson. Hello? I, I don't remember you. <laughs> and experience this all for the first time, Eric Silver. Happy to be on the podcast uh, with not one, but two weddings. And a funeral. Well, that would already happen, though. <laughs> oh man okay so if you were with us last week you know that we are now going into part two of the wedding storyline between tess and stephanie and a whole lot more including uh triple h's involvement in that and his feud with vince mcmahon um i don't know about you guys but i found this a lot harder to watch somehow than the uh what four months or whatever of content that we got through the last week yeah, this felt like forever, uh, and it was, you know, in a way, I, it's so hard to think about because there was so much content. When I was, like, really, when I was looking through the homework, it was like, I can't believe how much of an episode of Raw was devoted to one storyline. We absolutely mm-hmm. do not see that whatsoever anymore, and there was so much time devoted to this. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think it, it it's building to something that is really spectacular and that I and feels a little bit more earned along the way and raises the stakes and we'll go into it. But I I do think it was a lot. But at the same time, uh, it was overall, I think, OK, we could have shaved it. We could have tightened some parts up, but uh, it wasn't as wild as I think some other things we've seen. Yeah, I, I'm, I thought I was going to be the dissenting voice on this uh, from when, you know, Aaron started. Um, I, I think I got more into it in part two, like probably also because I don't know, I felt like the, the older episodes, we'd just been, I'd sort of like seen some of it a little bit. So seeing how this morphed and like started to become a different storyline, uh, became more exciting to me. There were actually like, um, you know, there were raws and smackdowns where I was like, that was a really good ending, which I'd never say, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm never like, man, wow, we, we really like went out on a banger. Like, I, you know, maybe it's also like I, I'm my brain is starting to finally like click in to like what the game, no pun intended, but what the game of what they're doing is. Oh, are we gonna make? Are we gonna play the game? Are we gonna play the game? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you want to play, play the game? game? Um, and I think- I'll play Twister. I think, um, Hungry Hungry Hippos, um, I think that part of my issue with this might be the way that I watch this to record this podcast is I'm always looking for, like, the most insane stuff to happen, and a lot of the things that happened here, and there is insane, don't get me wrong, but a lot of the the stuff in the lead-up to the wedding made sense in this world that they've created. Yes. there And there's a lot of slow burn stuff to kind of get back to what Bobby was saying. Like, you know, like how many uh, how many scenes from Steph's bachelorette party do we need to see? More. Um, Not enough. So many. I don't think so we'll, we'll get to that. But I think I do like, though, that the, there was an, the everything felt like it was escalating. And it felt mm-hmm. like as we move forward, there were twists and turns and it didn't nothing felt inevitable and I feel like if the front half of this had so many other, like, uh, peace players, like the Bulldog and whatever involved, mm-hmm. 
But this, I think, you know, you figure out Survivor Series, what's happening with Austin. You're moving into this new, like, uh, era, if you will, like, of, of what's coming ahead. Uh, and you have then finally, like, those things are feel like gelled here, where now you have DX solidified as we know them. Uh, like, this group now is solid. Their attitudes are all aligned. Everything kind of makes sense and is clicking in a lot more. Mm-hmm. It just seems yeah. like they're in a better position to be a substantial rival to the McMahons in this way. And Test has built up at least enough credibility to have like that uh, mark of valor after at least conquering Bulldog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think you make a, a good point, which is that I think in the first part, I, I kind of like forgot about this, but in the first part, it was like it was like Test has to win over the McMahons, right? Mm-hmm. Or has to win over Shane and, and like the mean street, the, uh, the Greenwich, what, what the fuck are they called? Mean, mean street, street posse. posse. Um, and you know, it's, and it's just like a lot of like, I don't know, slap ass bullshit. Like it's not, to me, it's not a compelling or fun storyline for a person to be like, don't you date my sister. I'm going to date my sister. I'm going to date your sister. Uh, you know, like that to me is not fun mm-hmm. because well, okay, that is... hold on. It's fun if they're in period costumes and Shonda Rhimes is writing it, I will just say. <laughs> <laughs> right, Test has uh, taken a vow never to have a, to, to uh, sire an heir. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, it, it's like, it's like that to me, I, I mean, maybe it's it's because of the time we're in and, and, and you know, like, I don't know if that if that ever appealed to me the idea of a person being like I will dictate who my sister is with. I don't know. It's 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 not a uh it's not a fun idea to me. But going from that to like hey, we're trying to do this thing and these guys just keep trying to fuck with us, I think is you know it has more interesting aspects to it because there's a little bit more. Um, first of all, it's not it's it's less gendered. Although we'll talk about the segments and how gendered it gets, but it's less gendered. It's less about like uh, Stephanie as property and more of like just we're going to be dicks to you guys because like we feel like we've been wronged. So to me, that alignment is a lot easier to to handle in terms of as they ratchet things up and it's less of like i'm not asking you guys i'm telling you you gotta stop you gotta stop stepping in and let let steph and and test be together like that shit's not fun it's the difference between a, a like a story about love on wrestling and a story about wrestling with like a love angle. You know what I mean? Like yes. this second half brings it back to the title, back to the wrestlers that we know, back to like the universe. Because we don't care about Stephanie and Tess's marriage. We don't care about any of the wrestlers' marriages. That's not part of the world we're in. They're not like we don't follow them at home. I mean, we do now, Total Bellas, etc. But you know, especially this time, it just felt really. It feels really out of place and and juvenile in a way. 
uh, not in the sort of sophomoric humor way that they usually are juvenile, but juvenile in literally like uh, preschool television sort of way. Uh, like picking, standing up for your little sister on the playground. Like it feels very like cheesy throwbacky that way. And this puts yeah. the focus back on the wrestlers and the wrestling and what's happening with these characters that we're already invested in, in the world that we're invested in, the stakes that we're invested in with the championship and everything. And the right, right. And when we get to the wedding, which we'll talk about, but when we get to the wedding, like what happens at the wedding isn't really as much about the wedding as it is about the rivalry. Exactly. And thankfully, Sorry, Aaron, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, and thankfully, uh, the wrestlers that we do focus on are not named the British Bulldog Midian or the Mean Street Posse in any of these matches. Oh, well, that I will say that is it is a good week. We got to like hang out with some stars. You know what I mean? After feeling, <laughs> yeah. we feel like I've been slumming it a bit for a few of these episodes. Okay, um, so setting up again, we're coming off of the Survivor Series pay-per-view. Big Show has won the WWF Championship against The Rock and Triple H as a last-minute addition into that match after Stone Cold Steve Austin was hit by a car, or attempted vehicular manslaughter is being the phrase that will be repeated over and over and over and over again. So that brings us to the November 15th episode of Monday Night Raw, which starts with Triple H and DX claiming that the WWF title was stolen. And I gotta say, Triple H making some very good points at the start about all of the obstacles that have been put in his way, the gauntlet matches that he has uh, been forced to do in order to keep the title. But also, he's got this group behind him, um, which makes it, which still keeps him well established within the heel role. DX, he says, will be your judge, jury, and executioner, which I thought was uh, was escalating things a little bit there. Not the best and way. They love, they love those phrases. What were you gonna say? I was say uh, not the best way for trying to shake a rap for murder. You know what I mean? Attempted murder to, <laughs> to walk around being like, look, I didn't kill that guy, but I will be the judge, jury, executioner. <laughs> and then Vince comes out asking these men if they can do the time. And his uh, his intimation is that while he asks? Is, his is here is basically X Pac, you are small and you will get raped. Mr. S, you have ass in your name and you will also be raped. And Road Dog, you will be raped from behind. This that was one thing about this. The homework was holy shit. A lot of prison rape jokes. Mm-hmm. So All about many. prison rape. Yeah, and it's um. Like- what one thing I noted? So a couple things I noted. First of all, um, the one problem I have with DX getting back together is I truly hate the DX intro video. It's it's. I feel like I'm an insane person watching it. Like it's so bad. Those, the quick cuts to like live feed to like literally like half a second of, of stuff. It's like Tyler Durden is like working the reel there. And I just, I I don't understand how it's like aesthetically pleasing to anybody to watch it. It taps into (laughs) some kind of nostalgia in my brain that as soon as I hear it start, I'm like, yes, this Keyed in, time to go. Yeah, I think like, it's the it, coolest thing. And, when, and, and, <laughs> oh. and in 1999, it was mind-blowingly cool. It was like, I have never seen anything like this. And mm-hmm. if you think that you're like saying, like, oh, like Tyler Durden is like such like an, uh, an easy like reference, it's like, 
oh well yeah probably on purpose yeah that was also considered very cool by the by a very uh the overlap of those audiences is probably 98 <laughs> percent oh i mean no I, I i didn't think they were referencing tyler jordan i just meant that you know it, it was like but even putting in the one frame of porn even to be mentioned in that you know, it's like these are all references oh. everyone is going. That yeah, it seems like everyone's speaking the same language. <laughs> We're pulling from the yes, same inspiration right. board, <laughs> the, the same cultural touchstone. Exactly, exactly. And I'm, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess like it, it's just like it reminds me of there was a there. I remember there was a time where I was like I was in some kind of like bar or something, and I happened to be catching like MTV for the first time in a while, and it was back around this time, maybe maybe a little bit later. But there was a point on MTV, I think, where um videos were just a little a little too fast cut and everything was just very very like like they didn't they never let a shot breathe and it got it, I, there were, it just did something to my brain where i immediately was like i can't i can't do this this is like it makes me um anxious meanwhile to watch it. meanwhile it was like the losing my religion video probably <laughs> <laughs> here's here's the thing though this is the coolest that DX has ever been and ever will be, because we—I mean, no. When you think back to to DX's like it, it, the inauguration of it, when they've got like the uh, the face masks and the wiper blades and stuff like that, like like yeah. it was, yeah, that was cool. I thought I thought that was good. In the I beginning. don't think Sean, that's cool. With, with Sean and Triple H, I thought they were good in the very beginning. I think it got old, but I thought it was cool in the beginning. And I think that the DX Army Invasion WCW was cool. Mm. And I mean, again, I'm using cool in very loose terms. I wouldn't be like, yeah, yeah right? you know, cool, Janelle Monet, DX Arme. <laughs> that's not <laughs> that's not what I mean by cool, you know? Uh but I do think in wrestling parlance, very mm-hmm. cool. Because you, mm-hmm. you guys know my favorite aesthetic is like uh like literally cut and pasted Xerox punk rock flyer. Like that's my mm-hmm. favorite aesthetic, and that's basically what that video is in like motion form. It's like a bunch of like those chop cuts of like weird like military imagery from like archive footage. Like you know what I mean? Like it's very, mm-hmm. it all sort of uh, it definitely like, ticks a lot of boxes for me. Um. All right. Uh. I well. It's funny. Like in terms of trip. Uh. DX being cool. It's funny because I, I I noted it. I noted different things about Triple H throughout the all of the homework, but I can kind of lay them out here because I think I think it's true every single time. He sounds like in this promo. He at the end of it, he sounded a lot like Chris Farley. I felt like <laughs> um, he gets. He has. He also has like real like like um, head counselor at a camp energy. It's like what we won't be doing tonight <laughs> is talking about the wedding. Like we we're not gonna be going in the lake today. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Uh, and then he also he also do, is big on like doing the Nixon pose, like the the, like, the two fingers or yeah, like he 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 scrunches his head into his like he gets rid of his neck, and then he lifts up his hands and like he do, eventually does the X, but it starts with the I am not a crook. I I know he's it's going to get uh, even more pronounced, but him getting rid of his neck is not a very far journey for him to go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, it's because Big Show broke his neck in half. (laughs) So Vince McMahon has a question, and he says, so did you do it, Triple H? But then he retracts his question and says, no, 
you will be answering these Detroit detectives. And then Vince McMahon goes into his weird, like, yelling, sing-songy voice where he goes, Now we're going to get to the bottom of this. Which I think is where uh, where Shane got his, uh, and you two better adjust your uh, strategy. <laughs> Tw- he twirls his mustache. So the f- um, I my, my, oh, what were you gonna say? I was gonna go on to the next segment. Oh, I was well. I love how the the police come out and all the detectives are outside of the ring and they're just going, "Come on." Come outside of the ring. Come on. Come on outside of the ring. I'm like, guys, it, it, it's not it's not base. You can actually go into the ring and get him. I don't know. Once they're in the ring, aren't they? Isn't that fair game? It's international waters. <laughs> right. Well, I, I thought I thought maybe it's like with vampires. Like, we can't go into the ring unless you invite us. Sorry. Please. Do, could, would you like us to come in the ring? That's Lillian Garcia needs jurisdiction. to announce you. That's boss man's jurisdiction. <laughs> So we've got the uh, the detectives interviewing Degeneration X next. Um, first, I want to say that the lead detective is very handsome, mm-hmm. and second, I want to say that Road Dog's D's nuts joke is very very funny to me, and a D's nuts joke will never not first be of funny all, to me. N- no, 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 no. Here's the thing: I love a D's nuts joke. I love it, and I thought this. I actually have my note. This is the worst D's nuts joke because he didn't (laughs) use the formula properly to like the setup wasn't right. He was it's nuts. He was like say D's nuts, say D's, say nuts, D's nuts, and you're like, what? That's not how that works. Like it just like wasn't the right setup. And we'll talk about one such an excellent setup later, and someone who's a master of setups Mm -hmm. um, in a few segments, but. This one was so disappointing. I was like, what a bunch of bullshit. Fuck you, Road Dog. I was like, I was like very mad about this because I love a D's nuts joke. And I thought this was fucking ground ball. Um, I also, I don't, did you guys notice that X-Pac fell in his chair? <laughs> yes, sure did. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> he got upset and then he just fell backwards. X-Pac just stands up apropos of nothing because nobody cares about X-Pac in this segment. Oh my God, truly. Everyone's like, you can't reach the pedals. We know you didn't run Steve Austin over. <laughs> Have several seats, Sean. And then Mr. Ass's whole alibi is just like, I've been a lot of places, guys. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, yeah, I've been here and there and the places specifically you're talking about. It's a like, cool alibi. <laughs> uh, but Trip, Triple H plays it kind of smart, puts it on Vince, and uh, he's not even going to say suck it until his lawyer gets here. That was a pretty good line. I got that was a good like, mm-hmm. little button on the scene. I liked it. Also, it's 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 uh it's good advice for anybody. Do not talk to the police until your lawyer gets there. Mm-hmm. Don't even tell them to suck it. Yeah, that could be used against you. Yeah, in a ring <laughs> and wrestle court. <laughs> <laughs> In the professional wrestling world, some crimes are considered particularly heinous. Not murder or anything. (laughs) Vehicular homicide. Contract law, mostly. (laughs) These are their stories. Okay. (laughs) And as if any of us forgot that there is a wedding coming up, Luna has a present for Tess and Stephanie. I almost said Testphanie. What what would their name be? Testiny? Testiny. Like- it's definitely Testiny. It's Stest? No. Okay. Um, 
it is a taxidermied squirrel, and she's very excited about it. And they really shouldn't have registered for it. That's their problem. <laughs> they they got a little crazy with that with that gun. And I I just have to ask, does this map out? And my and, and what I'm what I'm getting at is, I wish that we had we spent more time with Luna throughout the the years that we've been uh of of content that we've been watching here just i wish we had a little bit more of a character for her other than just like general crazy yeah for sure that was my big question is like what the fuck is her problem uh luna's i believe like her heyday was a little bit before our pickup i want to say in like 94 95 working alongside bam bam bigelow um -hmm. i remember this specifically because um in the super nintendo game monday night raw which was nothing like any of the subsequent like memorable ones. Um, in fact, it was not a good game at all. But you did have a it had a very cool roster and easy controls, and they had chairs, which was very cool. And there was one woman in the game, and it was Luna Vachon. And so, who hmm. did I play as every single time? Luna Vachon. <laughs> Luna Vachon. So I only knew Luna Vachon is in like sixteen bit format um, for a very long time. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, and I uh, something I hate hate and wrestling. I feel like does it a lot, but I feel like a lot of. Uh, male centric media does is to add an adult woman's characterization to be love stuffed animals and it's so infantilizing and gross and it's just mm-hmm. it's so stupid as someone who has had who has known many women in their 20s like that's like not a thing and it just it's so it's such a trope to be like this is an innocent person she's so young and i think mm-hmm. it's it's gross it's first of all gross <laughs> So I hated that they added this wrinkle, like Stephanie. We know you love stuffed animals, and you're like, really? Is that a, is she okay? Should she talk to someone and unpack that? <laughs> like, bothers me. I agree. I, it was it was just like uh, I don't know. It's like when they're just like, okay, um, let's just have like Al Snow be wacky. Let's have you know, like just like we don't know what to what to do with this person. We're just gonna make this person just be silly for the sake of being silly. It, it's a it's a cheap joke. Yeah, I just see. I think they go to this well sometimes. I just don't. I I just hate that. Ugh. Makes you feel gross. I feel it's a very like infantilizing thing, and it happens. I think in, I want to say in wrestling a lot, but I also feel like a lot of like uh, male centered media. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, back to the murder plot. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> so the detectives come for Vince and um, bring up the very very. Uh, apt thing that there have been a lot of attacks from stone cold steve austin to him over the years um did 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 this strike anybody like the setup for a clip show <laughs> <laughs> like there actually have been a lot of interesting things over the years do you remember and then they just <laughs> go back dx gets trapped in a walk-in freezer later on do you remember the time that uh that stone cold steve austin was trapped in a freezer <laughs> And if you love clip shows, go back to Hell in a Cell Phone, episode whatever, <laughs> where we have our own clip show. Rate and review. Uh, so then Vince um, Vince has asked about his associates. And I know, like, I know where this story is going, obviously, um, through all this. But it really makes me long for uh, a storyline where Vince orders the Stooges to murder for him. And then they have to, like, (laughs) cover up for it later on. (laughs) But we get to, um, we get to the Stooges. They ask, uh, his opinion on Mr. McMahon and, and, you know, Briscoe is, oh, Mr. McMahon, McMahon, he's the best. And then 
Patterson starts to ask about the time that they tried to that they had them uh, beaten up in the ring. And I thought that this was a really missed opportunity for them to kind of like fumble into incriminating McMahon more than actually incriminating Mr. McMahon. Like, I didn't understand Pat Patterson doing this based off of everything that we've seen of him so far. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. But then we get... By the way, oh, uh, before you move on, uh, mm-hmm. I just want to point out, did you guys notice that Vince's jacket looked really huge? Like, I feel like he's going to uh, Shane's tailor. Yes. <laughs> Twas the style of the time. Big and boxy. And then he yes. asks himself, how did he get there? <laughs> so then we go to The Rock being interviewed by Michael Cole. And then we get a masterclass of dressing down police officers after that. Uh, this was like just note perfect. And, you know, talking about joke setups, the way he gets everyone to like feed the line for it doesn't matter what your name is is so good and unex and every time it gets me like every time i'm i i'm sort of like like it's delightful it's not that i don't see it coming but it's just that like he goes out of his way to like make it special each time mm-hmm. that like he could just set it up like you know the road dog and just go out and literally say the exact same shade and the exact same cadence every mm-hmm. time and let the people lap it up like dum-dums but the rock like plays with it in a way that makes every, that's why they all work. Every one of these, it just works because he can be quick on his feet and adapt in the situations and make it feel fresh and interesting. And that's the game. It's not just the the recognition. It's like the, the strategy or like the working it into the conversation. That's, that's truly the part that, that is the most rewarding. Yeah, no, I mean, we talked about this before. It's, it's the duck, duck goose of, of doing your promo. It's like, you know I'm going to say it, but you don't know when I'm going to say it. And that's the fun part is like, is, you know, like it clicks in just a little too late for everybody who's watching that. Oh, shit. This is where he says it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like there because like the tension is when is he going to say this? Uh, and what is he? How is he going to work it in? Because, you know, he's going to work it in somehow, but you don't know when or how. And. Bobby, you were not the only one giddy at that moment because when Rock asks him if he likes donuts, the fucking grin on Michael Cole's face, like he's like, oh man, oh, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. And just as it built, like the smile just beaming off of his, like his coworker's face here, it was beautiful to watch. By the way, I'd call this a dressing up because those cops were actually taller than the Rock. <laughs> It was weird. It, like I'm not used to anybody being taller than a wrestler, let alone the guys that they come that they bring in to like for literally one episode of a procedural. And these were local enhancement officers. I also um I want to I want to I, I kind of made the observation like after they're talking with the Rock, like he's like, "Are you writing this down? You got to write this down. Make sure you write this down." And I was like, "These detectives' notes after interviewing the Rock must make no sense." <laughs> Um, should pick out the best donut, shine it Squeeze up. Squeeze out all the jelly, okay? <laughs> then the, the officers go to talk to uh, Jerry Lawler, who tries to finger JR, and 
it doesn't work. It's stupid. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. was stupid. This this was an unnecessary part. Of this we didn't need this. Mm-hmm. It was like a bad version of Clue the movie. I it's like it could have ended this way. Or <laughs> what about this? I also don't think we need this little mini rivalry between Test and Mr. Ass, but I guess they do have to wrestle at some point on the wrestling program. Yeah, for oh, sure. Oh, God. The, word, the only thing I noted about it was that Test has awful shoulder acne. It's mm. so yes. gross. Yeah, no, that is notable. Thank you. Thank, thank you for speaking that truth. <laughs> yes, I see you. Bobby, I see you. Um, they talk about Test's broken nose a lot in this match. And at one point, like, he just broke it like the night before, I think. And then they said they're they're gonna rebreak his nose. And I was like, is that possible? Could his nose have healed and then gotten rebroken that quickly? <laughs> it doesn't seem like that's how that. It would just be he would just it would just be still broken. It it is broken, right? I, I mean, I never broke my yeah. nose. <laughs> I think that's. I think you're correct. Okay. I, they, maybe they could break it in another place. I don't know. I mean, most of the nose is like flesh anyway, is like cartilage. Yeah, that confused me. Uh. Also, I thought Billy Gunn sold some stuff. I liked when he got whipped into the post and, like, totally flew sideways. I was like, that oh, was pretty cool. 100%. That was fucking awesome. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, and then I think that uh, Mr. S hit him with a uh, a nice Famouser after the roll-up. Yep. It was fine. But the main event of the night... Is Triple H versus Kane with Vince on commentary when somebody uh, tried to throw beer on him on his way out. Also, um, someone in the crowd had a sign that says, Nate eats poo, and I just want to call that out. Uh, that was there. <laughs> and I truly just like don't get what would be in someone's mind to do that. Are they trying to get revenge on a specific person? And if so, how do they guarantee they'll see it? And that if they really wanted to get revenge, wouldn't they also put their last name? And lastly, if it was a joke or something funny, how I don't I don't get it. Who's I don't get it. I, I don't know. Is this a straight guy thing? I, I don't know. Not just that specific sign, but like a sign like that. It's definitely a straight guy thing to to uh, bring signs that claim that your friend eats poo. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm fucking around. Or like, uh, you know, or they're like a dummy or whatever. But whatever. But like uh. I guess, like, petty sign-making feels like a very strange way to use your time. I mean, we've seen a lot of those, and I it never makes any sense to me. I assume that they do it because they're like, we honestly, I don't have anything to say to these wrestlers. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, you don't have to say anything at all. <laughs> like, haven't you heard that? <laughs> it said, Nate eats poo? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, so that's why I noticed it. And I was mm-hmm. like, wait, my Nate? No, <laughs> Okay, I got, by the way, I got a confession to make. I got access to a time machine. I went back in time. I put up a sign that says Nate eats poo because he didn't text me on my birthday this week. So a little like, salty. Now look, now look under your bed. There's a box and inside a note from you that says that you did all this. <laughs> Just to prove it. Don't believe me? Check under your bed. Okay. By the way, I've just for, I just remembered there's like a segment. We didn't watch it, but there's a segment before the Triple H versus Kane match where it's just they just interview Arnold Schwarzenegger talking about SmackDown. That's <laughs> yeah. so weird. And he wasn't like, even- hey, what was it like to be on that show now that you're on the show again? And he just described it. He was like, oh, it was great. The belt and the people and the seeing and the ring and the standing and the waving. And I was like, yeah, that's literally, yeah, uh-huh. And, and then they played the end of Dave's trailer. It was great. It was like, oh, okay. So they accomplished the thing that you went on the thing for. Good. Great. It Got was, it. it was- and, I th- 
and I think they had it on like two segments. They had it on like on Raw, and then maybe the following SmackDown. It's like, guys, I don't know if this is as good as you think it is. It was the equivalent of like when they put things for the visually impaired on the like uh, image descriptions on the internet, where it describes in like very literal terms what's in the photo, and it's like <laughs> yes. a white woman shares a salad with a black woman at a sunny ta- <laughs> sunny table by the beach, and you're like, okay, <laughs> it was like that, that except in Arnold Schwarzenegger's <laughs> voice, which I think there's a market for that. Honestly, saying it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> get on cameo arnold okay um vince is on commentary he is asked if he has any suspects and vince says the perpetrator in all likelihood is mr ass which is the fanciest <laughs> sentence ever uttered to end in mr ass <laughs> in all likelihood triple h and vince do a lot of angry rubbing of their waists at each other to symbolize the championship like like you have to picture me rubbing my waist right now but 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 triple h is hey i used to have the championship and now now it's not here anymore and and vince is coming back as yes the championship which i orchestrated to get away from you is no longer yours like you could take a still frame of this then arnold schwarzenegger can narrate about how they're both explaining how cool sculpt works Yeah, they're just ISIS right here. All the fat just dissipates. <laughs> uh, Kane comes out. X-Pac ambushes him. And that's when I noticed that Kane has a panty line. Mm-hmm. That's why you gotta wear the thong. That's why you gotta wear the thong. Show off the goods. And so Triple H attacks Vince at one point, doing a move that is apparently called pie-facing him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I just, uh, I'd never heard it described as that before. I feel like that's described outside of rest. I think that's just like a, a thing, like backhand. Yeah, just, you know, just like you shove your face, shove your, 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 your. Like you've uh, got an invisible pie that you're shoving in yes, their face. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and you just shove your hand right through it. Yeah. Uh, but Vince McMahon attacks Triple H during the match, giving him the disqualification win. But after the match, we see Vince... Literally jumping up and down with his thumbs in the air, calling for Kane to give him a choke slam. Yeah, it was like a scene from running a really weird Willy Wonka. <laughs> I want it now! I want the choke slam! Give it to him! But Bad egg, bad egg. <laughs> <laughs> but considering earlier in the episode, Vince declared that Triple H was at the bottom of the ladder as far as the championship goes... He still got a win here, which helps him uh, move up in the ranks in that way. When we come to SmackDown on the 18th, Patterson is already bloody as the show starts as DX is beating them down in front of a Mighty Ducks logo. It was a Mighty Ducks for like a a, a minor league team, right? It is the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks. So this stadium is built to house a minor league hockey team. Cool. Mm. <laughs> and I guess they must be a feeder for uh, for the um, Anaheim Mighty Ducks, right? I guess. I I, I don't know. I, I'm not doing uh, Helena. Uh, Helena's penalty box. <laughs> oh no no Helena um uh, Z- Helena Zamboni. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um 
Sergeant Slaughter grabs Vince as soon as he gets out of the limo to let him know what is going on. And oh Vince is... my god, this episode had so much walk and talk. It was like a Sorkin <laughs> episode. Oh, we spent, uh, there was more footage in fucking hallways than there was in the ring for the night. It was unbelievable. I could not believe we had to go from... I was like, what am I... What kind of fucking... Uh, Birdman one-shot bullshit am I watching? Why do I have to watch them go, like, locomote from one end of this Mighty Ducks arena <laughs> to the other? It was so bizarre. And none of these are real offices, so why don't you stage them next yeah. to each other? <laughs> there it is. There it is. Okay. A lot of travel work. A lot of travel work in this episode. Yeah, I, I do have the note, this is the longest walk to the limo. So, um, several I don't remember. Scenes, several scenes <laughs> are passing between offices. It's unbelievable. I was I could not I, I could not, I was watching, I was like, I cannot believe we're still traveling. <laughs> Again? Can we just stay here? Just call them. Just call them. But Vince wants Degeneration X. Slaughter says Hunter won't come down, so Vince says he's coming for them. At that point, we get an advertisement for WrestleMania 2000 for the Nintendo 64, which literally looks like Minecraft characters are beating up each other. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, they, the video game actually got Steph's shoes perfect. <laughs> they totally did. <laughs> That's exactly how they look. And this is a very this is basically the WWF's answer to uh, the WCW games that were extremely good mm-hmm. at this time. Uh, wait, was this one No Mercy? I forget. Was this, no, was just this WrestleMania was? 2000. Oh, just WrestleMania 2000. Okay. Um, no Mercy is the one that they're that was like beloved of this era, but this was sort of like them getting into the 3D wrestling space. Mm-hmm. So I have a Super Nintendo. Like, is it would it be worth it for me to try to get one this of was these? 64. Like... This was this was Nintendo sixty four. Oh. oh, sorry, no, sorry. I mean, I have too. a sixty four. I have a Nintendo sixty four. If you have a Nintendo sixty four, I would get the WCW games. If you don't know anybody, they're fun as hell. And then if you wanted a WWF game from the time, I'd say get No Mercy. Okay, Jesus, Eric, you got Maybe a Super Nintendo and a Nintendo sixty four. Who are you? Rock no, I don't actually have a. I don't have a, a Super Nintendo. I'm not that rich. Okay. Uh, I always I always confuse the Super Nintendo with the Nintendo sixty four. I had a Genesis instead of a Super Nintendo. I always think too. Aren't a lot of these like ported over for like the newer Nintendo systems? I feel like I used to get a lot of like non like old games for the Wii, but I don't know what platform. Oh, well, I have a Switch. I don't have a Wii. Does it matter? They don't have. uh, They don't have as many in the uh, the new library, so they got rid of like the digital store where they you used to be able to buy a lot of the um, the old throwback games, and now they just kind Mm. of trickle them out whenever they feel like it. Nathan and I what got fuck, that one man? that was like uh, that old NES hockey game where you could be like a skinny hockey player, medium-sized hockey player, or a fat hockey player. It was Blades of Steel or was no, it ice hockey? ice hockey? It was ice hockey. It was super fun. Yeah. Like, it was super fun. Yeah. And so we, we used to ice hockey's a, a great one. Uh, I, but Blades of Steel was the one that had the, um, that had the mini video game in the middle. Yep. Right? This is yeah. correct. And Blades of Steel had fighting. Did, did ice hockey have fighting? Yes. Where, where like it close it does a close up and now you're just I, like two guys. No, it was much more simpler than that. I feel like okay. you would have yeah. been like punching on maybe the blades ice. of blades of steel. Yeah, maybe blades of steel did a like a full on close up. Blades of steel, you would bump into each other three times and then your pads would go off. You fight e- you'd fight each other a little bit and the uh, zoom out and then they go fight and it would zoom in on the two of you fighting. That's yeah, cool. what a great idea. Or you can just and buy speaking a of fighting, game and skip all the dumb sports. 
it's funny. Well, doesn't it seem like the guys, the, the, the creators of Blades of Steel were just like, we actually want to do other video games. And they're like, can you please make a hockey game? And they're like, okay, we'll do that. And they're like, uh, how about a racing game where you're driving to the arena? But how are you going to get there the fastest? <laughs> so back to the fighting. Hunter sent a warning not to make things personal to Vince by attacking Vince's personal friends. Okay, this all checks out. We go now backstage where uh, Stephanie says, Hey, Test, put down that super fun WWF WrestleMania 2000 video game and help me open these presents. He truly does not know how to play that game. That like, I think he had his... Not plugged in. <laughs> yeah, he had his own character just walking into the same post over <laughs> and over. Also, she... what did she open as a gift? A fucking stuffed animal, like a little baby. Yes. She fucking got a beanie a baby. frog. She got a beanie baby for her fucking wedding, like a child. What is that? <laughs> who, gets... who gives someone a beanie baby? Happy wedding? It's like, what the fuck? Okay, but also, does... Does Tess not know how to press pause for a video game? That's what I'm saying. Like... He wasn't playing. That was like the demo screen the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the little kid back at a, a electronics boutique or wherever you bought your games when you were younger, and the kid just has the controller in his hand and is going nuts. I want to go back to the frog now, though, because so the frog <laughs> has a note saying that the gift is in the limo. We all know that this is going to be a setup. But did Triple H decide to include a stuffed frog in his plans? Well, there was... I was imagining Bi- I was imagining Billy Gunn going to buy a stuffed frog, <laughs> <laughs> like, like in the store. That road dog is there. He's holding that one. He's holding like the Princess Diana beanie baby, and he's like, "What do you think? I don't, I don't know which one we got. Oh, you want to do the classic? You want to do this one or whatever? The crab, crabby or whatever the fuck? You want to do that? This bear's got a shamrock. She thinks she wants that one. No, just get the frog. What the fuck?" <laughs> It's like it's like uh, it's like when you have to like visit somebody in the hospital, and so you're like, let me bring them something from the gift shop. I don't know. Yeah, it's like I wish you just would have packed like one of those balloons with the hard metal straw handle, the hard plastic <laughs> straw handle, <laughs> like the mylar. So, uh, so Tess is now in the trunk. Vince so de- de- demands his return. Says, "I'm calling the cops like six times." Even Stephanie attacks Triple H, and then they just bring Tess back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. I, I think they, I think they put like a tag in his ear so that they can track his <laughs> movements. But his he's nose, tr- he gets out of the but trunk. It- he's like a little woozy, but then he runs off into the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go, little fella. <laughs> go on, get. It. But his nose, but his nose has been rebroken for the third time, or perhaps the first time. <laughs> my my favorite though is after after Tessa's kidnapped. I just my note my note says and action. Everyone just shouts at each other <laughs> like it's just unintelligible shouting. There is in, from like five people in a room. There is so much yelling in this. It's like the three of us trying to make a, co- a comment at the same time. <laughs> have absolutely no idea what anybody said. They're all just like, watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. <laughs> Call the cops. Uh, uh. So Triple H comes in, says it's gone too far, says he has a wedding gift. It's a catcher's mask. 
Triple H is very pleased with himself for that joke. Yeah. Good one. Good one, Carrot Top. <laughs> Fucking goon. Um, JR is on the phone with the police. Uh, not even worth bringing up. Um, okay. Vince brings in some officers to stand guard. Um, and there's nothing like the, uh, the police officer with the white undershirt showing. <laughs> but we've got this shit. is but oh sorry go on no you go ahead well i think you're you're going into like the this is the you're going into the last bit before they end the episode right right because so this is shane yeah. stephanie and tess just hanging out and laughing and laughing and laughing together <laughs> so they smell something burning there is zero smoke at this point. But they apparently decide to stay in the office until they're so overcome with smoke that when the door opens, they all, like, fall out. Triple H. And, yeah, that that's a lot of smoke that accumulated with no visible fire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the fire of the mind. Um, Triple H's whole motive here is Vince committed a crime against him. He started the night by saying, don't get personal. Vince doesn't get personal. And then Tripp spends ostensibly the entire night getting as personal as he can. Vince takes off his jacket for the attack. Triple H says, not so fast or I'm going to sue you. Then he says, it will get personal. And then the crowd is excited to see a match between the two of them. And there's like, oh, no, no, no. At a future specified date. That's when it will get personal, which I'm sure the audience loves. And then we get some more nitpicking of legal arguments, as the wrestling shows will always get to. And I and in my, so in my notes, I was like, I, I made a concerted effort this time in my notes, and I was like, this, I was like, set up. This is the setup. Vince can't get Triple H back after he loses at Armageddon. And in my mind, I was like, now let's let's figure out. How Vince gets Triple H back after he loses at Armageddon. <laughs> You're learning. Like, I have to give myself these notes, uh-huh. yeah. So then we see on the Titantron, Tess, Stephanie, and Shane are at the bottom of some stairs. Probably suffering now both uh, bruises from falling and smoke inhalation damage. Tess broke his nose a fourth time. <laughs> so did so the implication that they pushed them down the stairs? <laughs> Like fucking Dolores Claiborne? Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? That is, it is to push. And also, how logistically, let's talk about this. How you're going to push three people down the stairs. What a coordinated attack that must be. Were they walking in a line down the stairs? <laughs> they were all holding hands. So well, they they're, just push one they're... and they knock them over like bowling pins? Or are they weakened from the smoke and then they just pick them up one at a time and throw them down the stairs? Or or is it just like, you know, like, is it like a DX, like, jumped them and, you know, attacked them at the top of the stairs and they all got pushed in one, in one you know, moment or another? I mean, pushing someone down the stairs is pretty grisly. <laughs> That's, like, <laughs> it does feel... Somehow even more uh, psychotic than running them over. Like there's more hand. It's like killing someone with your bare hands. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? 
Mm-hmm. It's it's attempted escalator homicide. Bobby, uh, great Dolores Claiborne reference right there. Thank you. Um, the first, never watched it. I was never interested in that. The, um, the first girl that I ever asked out on a date was in that movie. Wow. She what? said no. You went, on a, you went on a date with Kathy Bates? <laughs> no, he did. <laughs> no, Kathy Bates fucking rejected him. Mm-hmm. You could have been Mr. Kathy Bates. (laughs) Please. It's just, it's just Mr. Bates. Mr. Bates. (laughs) So on November 22nd, everyone wants to know where's Vince. Shane's just got to find Vince before he does something stupid or crazy, which Shane, maybe you should have thought of that before 9 PM on Monday night. (laughs) You had Five days to corral him in. By the way, before we before we go too deep into this one, I just want to say this, uh, the last uh, the eleven eighteen episode. I know it's a little silly with the pushing on the series, but that was one of the episodes where I was like, this was kind of a great ending to a promo. Like I felt like uh, Triple H had like a you know like better watch your step or whatever the fuck he said, and I thought like you know what. He he had the right tone of like malice, and it was and it was like you know I can't you know maybe I can't get to you right now, but I'll get to your family. It's, like it's you're right. It's like the right amount it. of villainy. Like mm-hmm. I feel like it's the right yeah. amount of villainy. I've been watching a lot of lately. I've replaced my um, Simpsons like like falling asleep television with uh, Batman the animated series on HBO Max. Oh, which you would, me too. Which you would think is like not a great thing to fall asleep to, but for an action show, it's surprisingly like low-key mellow more moody and atmospheric and actually very like yes. kind of gentle and all of the uh voice actors are fantastic and obviously mm-hmm. not just the not just the main ones but all the other ones are like obviously people with a lot of stage experience so it just has like a very charming little cadence but i feel like similarly they there that is also a very careful balance of like villainy that's not overly violent or like you know disturbing but still enough to pose a threat and still enough to like add stakes to the story and i think like this story yeah. and those things were like appropriate things to add stakes to the story and felt like within the bounds of this world uh less less good at uh adding stakes to the story is pat patterson just pointing at places backstage asking if vince is in there <laughs> <laughs> So we cut to the DX limo. Triple H gets a call from somebody, and actually it's a somewhat realistic TV call. It's not like, Vince is looking for me at the stadium? You don't say. (laughs) I mean, uh, I personally had a lot of trouble understanding what they were saying. And once I put the closed captions on, I realized I was not alone because (laughs) the closed captions just said, like, unintelligible or indistinct Uh, a lot of times in trying to figure out what they were like, this was definitely an improv scene for them. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what, where they were going with it, what they were doing. You definitely tell that the whole point of this, they were like, just the whole point is to show that you're in this limo. It's like the old Mm -hmm. magician trick of like, let's get as many shots as we can. The interior of this limo that they're in this limousine. So when we do the quick cut and you know, with later on, 
you know, we we create the illusion there that that's the same same place, same time, same inside. You know, you trick your brain into yeah. seeing them in that yeah. setting so much, which is why because like that those calls like never panned out or made any sense. Like even if you didn't know literally what they're saying, you're like, who would be calling and what information would they be getting that's useful? Vince is mad at them. I think they know mm-hmm. that Vince is mad at them. <laughs> also, who's the inside man? Who's the mole? There's somebody inside the corporation who's like who's calling up Triple H to warn him. You still got to wait and see on that one, Eric. Oh, oh, was that a real thing? Uh huh. Oh, I did not know. But the uh, the gang back at the arena is now looking in every car window, trying to find Vince, and they finally find him <laughs> in a car with a bat. And his explanation is, "It's a full moon, and I want some fresh air." That that felt like a real scene from the McMahon Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> like, like them trying to get him to come inside. He's like, it's a full moon. I just need some fresh air. I just need some fresh air. It's a full moon. Also clutching a baseball bat like that the whole time at Thanksgiving, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, yes. Watching Vince McMahon scream as he drives into a limousine is so funny to me. Yeah, yeah, I could use that. I think that gif would have like a lot of application in my day-to-day life. <laughs> less funny is him just going play the game play the game over and over again yeah is he like it, he's actually window? he's singing the queen's he's singing this the queen song <laughs> i don't understand how dx tumbled out of that limousine for any particular reason <laughs> like because they all did it like very perfect like circus tumbles it, it uh-huh. was like like a bunch of clowns <laughs> leaving the limousine it was so weird i was like wait what uh, that was strange. So Vince finds it, the DX locker and starts beating the shit out of the door. Probably had to buy the arena a new door for that one. That's what I was thinking this whole no, time. They... I was like, okay, so that limousine, obviously the one that they were driving is different than the one that they smashed. The one they smashed is probably like an old clunker that can't run, has no engine in it or whatever. They switched. I'm like trying to like see how they produced all mm-hmm. of this and like how much would they cost? I'm saying thing the door. I'm like, so they had to buy a new door after this? But I guess like how much is a door? No, they... they... <laughs> They just never they never went back to that arena again. It's like the cemetery that they used. They're like, we just need a fucking another arena. Nobody's coming back to the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks. Exactly. That's why they chose this one. They were like, fuck this place. <laughs> the cops show up and Vince is cornered. Vince is cuffed. And then Hunter attacks him, but he's not arrested for attacking a uh, a, a prisoner. Are the pro- yeah, I like may- that moment, actually. It, it was pretty good. It made me wonder if the police are like referees. You can get away with whatever you want when their back is turned. <laughs> I also... uh, actually, sometimes you can get away with whatever you want when they're facing you, too. I mean, if we're talking about real life. I, at this point, I really started to lose the story because all I can focus on was Shane's sort of mocha-colored blouse he was wearing. <laughs> <laughs> it was truly all I, I was like, what? What? Huh? Like, it was... Such an elegant blouse. Like it literally looked like he took it from Linda. It was very I was I was uh beguiled and enamored by it, I think. <laughs> Vince Vince is brought to the station. Um, um well I wanna I just wanna say mm-hmm. uh so when they when they bring Vince to the, into the when they put Vince in the police car mm-hmm. Um, I, I, was it, who was, somebody was in front of the police car, right? Like they, maybe it was DX or something, but though when they were doing that, I was like, you know how I know that this is not a real cop because when, when they're trying, when he's trying to move the car, 
he just like honks the horn to make the guys move. Whereas any cop would have just like started running the siren, right? Like, isn't it a cop move to be like, to get like people to get the fuck out of the way? Yes, cops are like children, and they need to be stimulated by bright, uh, <laughs> noise, bright lights and, and loud noises. You said it, but I agree with it. <laughs> I also, when they get to the station, they get out, and uh, uh, Vince goes, someone peed back there, which struck me very much so as, like, whoever smelled yes. and dealt it. Like, oh, someone <laughs> peed back there? Who was it, Vince? Antifa? Who did it, Vince? Who peed in the back? Huh? Why don't you just tell us? <laughs> I liked their little ad lib when they got into the police station where Vince goes, who are these guys? And the cop goes, I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) Look, sometimes we have guys in the station. What the fuck do you care? No, but. (laughs) The wedding is coming, though. It's one week away. Stephanie is shopping at Razook's. Picking out square-toed shoes. And then we go to... Uh... Yeah, and then we go to the bridal shower, where I want to point out she has good boots on. She does have good boots on there. I also noted that. finally, and I also noted finally. that Linda McMahon has anime hair in the scene. <laughs> she just goes, yeah, Super she does. Like, it's Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, she looks like Final Fantasy. I'm like, what the fuck is happening there? Like, it's all it's like something that she got something about married up. Ah. Uh. So Stephanie's opening gifts and Mula and May have given her handcuffs, a leather skirt, and a whip. And then Linda does the mom eye roll, like, okay. Several many eye mom rolls. Eye mom rolls? Mom eye rolls. Uh, Eye mom rolls are pretty, they're pretty good from the local Chinese place uh, in my neighborhood. (laughs) That's where they do it with cucumber instead of uh, seaweed wrap, right? Yes, exactly. They call it nude. Um... May is also drunk and tells Stephanie to, I don't know, stick a finger in Tess's ass or something. <laughs> right? Probably. I like I liked what May and Mula brought to this. I feel like this was a good... I liked this scene much better with that. And I would like to remove mm, 95% of Stephanie's quote-unquote friends in the scene. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, get out. Where's Deborah? Why are you here? Give me Miss Kitty. I don't want this. This is all fake. I don't need your friends. Fuck you. I was like, they were just, uh, they added nothing and they took away so much. Well, also, isn't the, wouldn't this have been a, an appropriate time to bring back Luna and like do a second beat off of like the, I gave you a squirrel. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. like if you're going to have her be weird with respect to the wedding, then make it a, Excuse me. Then make it a running gag. You know, like have because like you're just if you're just going to like be like, okay, we just had a person come by. Now we'll just use Mula and and Mae Young. Well, okay, but like, I don't know. It just feels like, you know, wasted opportunity. Yeah, I feel like they should have used more of the women's division here. It's like if mm-hmm. Patterson and Briscoe are the best men of this wedding, then yes, I want the entire bride side to be made of female superstars. Like, what the fuck are we doing? You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I don't get it. I don't. I just wish there was. Uh, yeah, Luna, Ivory, right. Deborah, Kitty. Come on, Terry. Right, right. Why even have a raw themed wedding? Like you know, like yeah. you're not even doing it right. And it Truly. definitely it, it it struck me even more. Um, when we get to the bachelorette party and and we'll get there but why are the two weird people from your dad's work like this close to you like these it's just it's all of your like 
actual yeah. real world th- friends and then just like these two weirdos from from work i thought maybe it was an old territories thing like you know they they, they grew up with her as they were like her aunts you know kind of like the unofficial aunts when she you know back when uh vince was like uniting the different promotions i don't know then say look, that i think we've discussed before probably on the podcast i imagine that I don't consider myself to be a Vegas person. I have very, I have no desire to go to Vegas. But if I was going to go to Vegas, I'd want to go to Vegas all the way. And if I was going to Vegas all the way and I had the ability to bring Terry Runnels with me, a hundred percent, she's essentially Vegas yes. in a bottle. Like it's a, like she is like their essence personified of Vegas. So to me, it just feels like it empty without her. After this segment <laughs> is is a Hardy Boys match, and Terry comes out in a bra this. that is so close to the color of her flesh that I was scandalized. <laughs> is that the one where she just ripped her shirt open at the very top of the ramp? Yes. I was like, Terry, get on the plane. We're going to Vegas. <laughs> I gotta say, I like Terry. I, like, I think Terry I, is. I think Terry is cool as shit. I'm being sincere. That's what I mean. If I was going to yeah. Vegas, she would be top of the list of people I'd want to come to Vegas from the WWF with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's fun. She's really soothing. Uh, you know, like she just seems like a fun she time. She chugs you know, she, she, she gets wear, it. She wears money. I mean, like Vegas. Everything about <laughs> yes. her screams Vegas. She it's literally true. was a prize in several matches. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get to Vegas, back at the police station, Vince is getting fingerprinted. He can't believe he's being arrested. In a, what looks like to be a remodeled kitchen? I was like, what are these? <laughs> <laughs> what a weird corner i was like this looks like someone's in the middle of like a, of doing of demo day on a fixer upper we go back i was to- uh i was gonna say what uh, did they do his uh, uh in this segment did they do his his mug shot or no no not yet okay go on uh, so we go back to the the uh, the bridal shower may has continued to drink and it looks like she has like a little bit of nut on her face Oh, only one who caught oh. that. Okay, yeah, maybe. Oh no, right? Because didn't didn't um didn't Mula say like wipe your wipe off mm-hmm. wipe something off your mouth? Mm-hmm. Gross. Yeah, looked like nut. Linda chartered a plane though for the bachelorette party in Vegas that we've already brought up, so not no big reveal there. Uh, at which point May falls into the cake. Now it's cake on everyone. Aren't we all having fun? <laughs> <laughs> You know that 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 bachelorette trope or the bridal shower trope of oh and then everyone gets in the cake and then and then the old drunk weirdo from work falls in the cake and starts throwing it everywhere. <laughs> I gotta say, I, I, I maybe a hundred. I would say with it's comparable to the efficacy of the COVID nineteen vaccine. Uh, but uh, I will say that someone being landing in a cake is always happens in every wrestling wedding like i think with with 95 percent certainty that it's like every single one at some point someone is face in a cake i mean i would say even uh expanding that beyond weddings if there is a wrestling show and there is a cake somebody yeah. is going to wind up in that cake yeah very rarely is the well, cake just like cut and passed <laughs> i will say if there's food in a wrestling show it will wind up on someone's face. Yes, 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 yes. But we'll get there. Now, Eric, is when Vince is getting his mug shot. 
I I just kept thinking of like uh, of Becky Lynch's like T-shirt. That <laughs> was just like, what are they going to show? Are there, is there going to be a T-shirt of of Vince's mugshot up against the fucking blank wall? They never they never get mugshots right. It's so frustrating. Like you had the space, just put up put up the the um the height lines. That's what you need to make it a mugshot. So then we've got uh, Shane on the phone who does a bad TV phone conversation and says, I'd be happy to deliver that message that you just gave me. JR then says, who is he talking to? Who do you think, JR? <laughs> Triple H takes about 40 minutes to do his entrance here. Um, then he has evidence for the Austin incident. It's just the video of the limo hit from earlier in the night. So now we're watching that video for the fourth time. There's more prison rake jokes in here. Um, and then the uh, ass up, face down, blah, 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 blah. Um, but on the phone call, Vince has accepted the match at Armageddon is the message, but also that Triple H must face the acolytes tonight. Triple H calls out Shane. DX comes down the ramp. Then we've got Tess, the Stooges, the Hardys, Jeff, and X-Pac. Um, and the Acolytes all joining in the fight. Oh, that was a fun brawl. I don't mm-hmm. fully yeah, understand what everyone's doing there or how everything's are connected. I know we skip, you know, we, we skip some stuff with the tag team title scene, mm-hmm. I imagine, but... Uh... Um... Earlier in the night, there was a Jeff Hardy versus X-Pac match that ended with a DX uh, invasion. But considering we already had three hours and 40 minutes to watch for this episode, and considering that it's probably going to take us three hours and 40 minutes to get through all this, I decided to leave that one out. Makes sense. Mr. Ass is hurt in the brawl, though. BB is backstage doing her due diligence and rubbing it back to health. Meanwhile, Vince gets his coat and belts taken away from him as he's locked up. Yeah, and it's like everybody has to make a comment, like, "Oh, you think I'm going to hang myself? What? What? Like everybody? It, it's it. They use it in so many different places. At a certain point, shouldn't everybody expect to have their belt taken away? Like, if you, mm-hmm. they left you with your belt, I'd be like, what? "Do you want me to hang myself?" <laughs> Eric Eric did get locked up and they left him with his belt and he was very sad that the police didn't care enough about his life to take it away from him. Yeah, I was just like, nobody cares. <laughs> Which then just upped the suicidal tendencies for him. Exactly. Road Dog versus Test, though, that night. But Vince's music hits. It's Shane as the referee. And the only real thing to say about this match is Test decides to hump Road Dog from behind. Like, that's a cool sure move. Sure does. And then sure does, does another super awkward pump handle slam. I guess he's doing Road Dog's move against him, but like it, it looks a little. It, it's a weird thing. Mm-hmm. It, I don't think it's. I don't think it achieves the effect he wants to achieve. So we go to backstage where Briscoe and Patterson have channeled Bobby's mom's Christmas morning energy. It's time for the acolytes. You ready to get your ass kicked? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Vince's bail was posted, but he's ordered to steer clear of the arena. 
And then he's handed back his jacket, which has just like the most ostentatious gold lining on it. Anyone else? Yeah, I feel like Vince I didn't some- notice that. Vince sometimes I feel like shares clothes with the Godfather. He just <laughs> they had the same silk guy. Hey, promoting ain't easy. So if DX interferes, there's going to be a 30-day suspension for them. Um, I thought this was a cool, weird main event, though. Yeah, I dug it. This is something else where, again, we talked about this in the podcast before. I like when they use these big, overarching stories like this to give some other guys a rub. Like, mm-hmm. give some other yeah. folks some some good screen time. Get some other folks, like, looped together. And this is, like, a real hallmark of the era of making sure that everybody has something to do, everyone has a purpose, everyone is sort of busy. There's like not as much folks as sitting on their hands just going through the motions like we have so much of today, where there's so much of the talented roster is just mm-hmm. sort of having repetitive matches and not going anywhere or, or not appearing on TV at all. Um, by the way, in this match, there's a really funny moment um, where like I guess like uh, Triple H gets thrown. Was he thrown off the stage? Is that right? Yeah. Yes. And they say, and and Jr. goes, even if you were the valedictorian of fall school, that would be a hard one. And I'm like, oh, the, there's a, the valedictorian of fall school. <laughs> well, I only I only made it to salutatorian. My my GPA. They changed the name to the School of Hard Knocks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll have you not call Harvard fall school. Thank you very much. <laughs> I had to go to my safety fall school. <laughs> Listen, I went to a state right. fall school and saved a lot of money for the state Right, exactly. I was going to say, I was at fall state. <laughs> they, I, I feel like they call Cornell fall school. There's a lot of leaves. Yeah. A lot of leaf, pe- good foliage. So Triple H hits Bradshaw with a chair and tries to escape out of the match. He's going against both of the Acolytes, but Vince catches him at the top of the ramp, hits him with a chair, and then throws him off of the stage. And we end. Another good ending. Yep. We come back, and it's Thanksgiving night. Oh, boy. Triple H is, is, uh, is sore and vows that this will be the worst Thanksgiving of Vince McMahon's life. Much like the one where he sat out in the car holding a baseball bat. <laughs> uh, so Triple H's lawyer tells Vince McMahon that he cannot be within 50 feet of Triple H. Uh, to which Triple H has, or I'm sorry, Vince McMahon has replaced, I'm playing the game to, oh, you're a real tough, aren't you? You're a real tough guy. And at one point, he says, I can't believe it. He's supposed to be Mr. Tough Guy. But it's Thanksgiving night, and DX needs to be more thankful. Oh, boy. Uh, this this is the worst. Really uh, by bad. the way, by the way, can I just say, uh, I feel like getting a restraining order is a real, like, ex-wives move that uh, DX pulled. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bitch move but I think that that um, fits in with it. But yeah, um, no, I, I truly, truly hated this segment. It was, it was, this segment should just be called like, do you want to see us be mean to people? Cause we'll be mean. Can we be mean? Yeah. I, just don't, I, I, I kind of want to request, we don't even go seg- segment by segment on this little mini story okay. with them because it's just so fucking stupid that they like 
collect these uh, homeless people from around the arena, bring them inside, eat dinner in front of them, and then throw them out hungry? Like, that's, like, to me, the whole thing was already cruel and unnecessary and not funny at all. There was nothing, like, at no point there was, like, a joke. And then the payoff, there was no payoff, and it, it didn't even live up to its own shitty setup. Like, again, I'm not asking for them to be more cruel to these people, but that was the story you were telling just to end with being like, we're never going to eat dinner, then tell you to leave. And I was like, what? That What was the point right. of all of this? Like, this one is- guy, one guy like, asks for silverware, and they're like, get out of here! And then they just get out. And I'm like, oh. It sounds like, it almost sounds like they acted out a story that, like, your shitty friend from high school tells you one day when you're drunk. You know, you're like, and he's like, and then I took, and then I said, get out. And then they left. And you're like, uh, is that it? Like, why? First of all, you have a dark brain. Yeah, there was just like multiple segments leading to this. And DX has a history of at least like doing something extremely over the top extra, Mm -hmm. let's say. Like with full costume or with like a whole like AV package and a surprise. They're plot, they're pranksters. And that's your prank? Your prank is watch me eat this for, like, a couple minutes and then just leave? It's like, they go back to what you were doing? It's like, huh. let me make Let me make you, let me make you sniff this food, like, like, come this close to to tasting it? Yeah. And, and it's, yeah. it started off on such a high note, too, because they were making fun of Rochester, and nobody likes Rochester. Oh, for sure. That I loved. <laughs> yeah, it's a hole. It's a fucking hole, that place. The city's Cause... favorite food is called a garbage plate. <laughs> I mean, it's it's fucking good. Um, I mean, because because here's because here's what happens. Here's what happens when it works. These guys are all like local enhancement talent that they that they get in there in the main event. Then all of a sudden, when Vince isn't able to go down there and and uh, attack DX on his own, he sends all the homeless people out there and they beat the shit out of DX and everyone's happy. Yes. Yes. Homeless homeless army would have been great. The homeless army retribution. I agree. Um, one only one thing I want to point out from this literally terrible segment uh, is um, Eric segments. Uh, so many segments, segments. Right, you're right. From this literally terrible episode, uh, what I want to point out is at some point they're um, they're talking about like, oh, hey, what are your favorite dishes? Oh, what are yours? And I really just wanted Billy Gunn to go, I'm a sides man. <laughs> Worth it. I like the yams. I like the potatoes. See, and that's okay. where Road Dog could have been like, hey, you like uh, chestnuts? What about hazelnuts? <laughs> you like, uh, what about D's? D's nuts? Come on. That's how you fucking do the joke. Uh but yes, okay. Right, they so, never they never fuck with each other that much. So the segment actually ends with one of them asks for silverware, and then they're like, "No, you've gone too far. Get out of here. No, fuck it. Let's go to the main event. Main event. We've got X Pac and Triple H versus Shane and Test. Uh, Vince has stuck it to DX once more time by feeding the homeless. Um, X Pac." does some weird karate moves that looks like me after I've watched six episodes of Cobra Kai in a row. Hmm. Uh, Tess is on the top rope. The outlaws run in. 
Uh, Triple H hooks the leg. One, two, three. At this point, DX attacks Shane. Um, then Earl Hebner gives a Bronco Buster to Shane. And then Vince is just at the top of the ramp, angrily pointing at Triple H. And then Triple H is angrily pointing back. They didn't make it to their waists this time, but the angry gesture uh, game lives on. At which point, um, I think it's... Uh, I think it's Cole says it's like watching your son get executed. <laughs> That's dark. <laughs> and so Vince gets the entire locker room to attack. And, and at first they're like, oh, uh, and then they go, it's Albert Prince Albert now, as though that should be the thing that hypes up the TV audience. Like, oh shit, they got Albert for this. Yeah, that was bizarre. I don't understand why that was exciting. Or, like, that, mm-hmm. I got confused here, and then I realized it was, like, a whole locker room clean-out. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the last episode, there was, you know, it ended with, like, a like a schmoz, with like, a bunch of folks mm-hmm. running out. But at least those folks all seem to have, like, a reason to be there. And then this one, I was like, oh, it's, like, the tag teams again. That I guess there must be, like, a real, like, you know, four-tag team sort of four-way feud for the title right now. And then, like, Steve Blackman's coming down, and I'm like, wait, what? Val Venus? <laughs> and I'm like, wait, hold on, what's happening? And I really, like, lost control of the narrative at that point. Uh-huh. Well, the Pilgrims yeah, it would schma- be... It was a schmaz buffet. <laughs> the Pilgrims would be rolling over in their graves if they knew about this. The food fight ensues that we all knew was coming. Vince and Triple H end the episode by pointing each other, and Lawler gets a pie in the face. Are we ready for the God wedding bless episode? Bless us, everyone. Oh, baby. So this is all leading to November 29th. We get the recap of everything that, curiously, didn't include the first time she was asked, when she's like, no. Ask me again. (laughs) DX music hits, but they were not scheduled. Triple H has a leather jacket with a boutonniere in there. And then there's some weird music playing afterwards, and Triple H covers for it by saying, I appreciate the disco. Cool cool one, guy. Yeah. Um, The asshole chant comes out. Um... He's here to talk to Vince because, again, Vince made it personal, even though Triple H is the one who has made it personal throughout the entire night. Or throughout He's the literally weeks. personally at their wedding, at their wedding episode. So he talks about the temporary order of protection, and he says, since some of you probably had one before, I'll explain it to you. Wouldn't they know it if they've had one before? <laughs> Again, he has camp counselor energy here. I repeat, there will be no wedding here tonight. This just goes on for way too long before Vince finally comes out. He's back to the tough guy thing, and he says, There'll be blood on somebody's head at Armageddon, and they will be mine. He said, so there will be a wedding present for Tess tonight for Triple H versus Tess, which is like, uh, your wedding present is you're making me work on my wedding day? And then there will be a six-man tag match, Mankind and The Rock, and a partner of their choosing. The important thing here, though, is anyone who is not a family member or invited to the wedding will be fired on the spot. Setup. This is the setup. (laughs) 
So we go to Stephanie's bachelorette party in Vegas. A bunch of poorly mic'd 20-year-olds and two weird old ladies that work with my dad. In, like, the most, like, La Quinta Inn you have ever seen in your entire life. Like, you're doing a bachelorette party in Vegas, but you don't leave the hotel room at all. Also, you're Yeah, they could have been anywhere. You're drinking so much champagne and Coors Light. Just, like, (laughs) so, just, you're triple fisting Coors Light (laughs) and champagne. How? How, everyone? Everyone there is drinking Coors Light and champagne? They're so gassy. It's gross. <laughs> like, you're all going to float away. And now we get to that wonderful bachelorette party game of truth or dare. And the, the question is, mumble, 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 no tell, mo tell, mumble, mumble, mumble. Also, I was confused. I'm like, whose truth is this? And also, if don't, <laughs> like, I feel like that girl got asked. Did Stephanie get asked truth or dare? Or did that girl get asked truth or dare? And then her truth was to ask Stephanie a question. I was very confused. Also, Stephanie then declined to answer, which is against the rules of the game. <laughs> and also, does Stephanie not talk to her friends about her sex life? Well, she's, no, she talks to her stuffed animals. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Also, though, she whispers her sex life into the knot of a tree and then covers it up. <laughs> also, though, test would be a wait until marriage guy. Just look at his symbol with night and day at a cross to represent religion. Yep. <laughs> yep. I love the part of the bachelorette party, which is my favorite part of hanging out with any friends. When someone goes, come on, everybody, let's dance. <laughs> <laughs> We're all like, OK, everybody, you have to stand up. Everybody drop what you're doing. Stop your conversation. Just get up and start dancing. Don't just like put on a good song and let it happen naturally. It's like, God, calm down, you losers. <laughs> well, if you weren't dancing, you've got to listen to their dumb friend give a boring toast. Ugh. The party continues, though, and some Cisco-looking dude delivers champagne to them. And then there's just a really long shot of him pouring all of the glasses of champagne. And not clearing a single bottle of Coors Light. (laughs) I thought he was going to be the stripper, but apparently so did May, who starts rubbing his head. Yeah, I was like, nope, nope, you can't touch his hair. Don't, no. She now, did not know who was anything in this entire sketch, I'm sure. I'm sure she literally was like, he's a stripper? <laughs> like, I think she probably really did think he was the stripper. <laughs> now, I'm sending a picture in the chat, guys, because it wasn't in the um, it wasn't in the homework. But in the middle, there's an advertisement for Entertainment Weekly, which features Stone Cold Steve Austin and Ivory on the cover. And I just need oh. I need you to oh, see saw the picture of Ivory that goes in, where it looks like even Ivory is surprised to be asked to be in Entertainment Weekly. <laughs> also, that is not Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's definitely a stand-in. <laughs> it was uh, DOA. Back to Vegas, though. Uh, Stephanie goes, look out now, but it's just three friends dancing behind the house, the couch poorly. <laughs> I did like, uh, Mae Young's aggressive crotch chops. Yes, 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 yes. I noted that as well. Uh, but here is Carlos, the electrician. Stephanie McMahon 
is around guys with better bodies wearing less at her dad's job every week. But but the uh, the fitted Atlanta Braves hat, the Tommy Hilfiger shorts, it was a whole look for this guy. I mean, I'm sure that I can't, I don't recall, but I would not be surprised if I literally masturbated to this as a child. (laughs) 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 Of like a guy that looks like that being a stripper wearing those sort of like jersey knit boxer shorts. A hundred percent would have like got my motor a running. Well, not just you, because man, Moolah, take him away, apparently for sex. Apparently to truly fuck him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they they actually when they were shooting it they were just telling the guy look they could die at any time so just be you know just be thankful that that you're you know we get to work with them one last time i almost did a spit take on that eric <laughs> <laughs> this but is back in the how re- uh, wwf got involved in make a wish <laughs> <laughs> Now John Cena's the all-time record holder. <laughs> Think of all the old ladies he's fucked. Sorry. <laughs> Taking a turn. Uh, oh, but you know John Cena back in like his bouncer days in his early 20s before he got to WWF just fucked a whole bunch of old women. Allegedly. I don't know. He seems like a square. I wish that was true, but he seems like a square. Uh, speak of of squares, back to the arena where Test is taking on Triple H. The referee comes out wearing a Vince McMahon mask as well as gloves and a, a turtleneck, so there will be no identifying exactly who he is. That's so you can't see the Linda tattoo on his throat. <laughs> <laughs> um, where do you get a McMahon mask? I know that that uh. I think Jr. or Lawler asked it, but I thought it first. That was just a Ronald Reagan mask. They told you it was a Vince McMahon mask. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. That no, yes. those were because around this time, like that Halloween in 1999, you could get a Vince McMahon, a Stone Cold Steve Austin, or a Rock latex mask at like Halloween Town. Ooh, God! When we can have live shows again? Oh my God! <laughs> which of us is which? We can have live shows I'm... again. <laughs> when, when when it can happen? Okay. When you know, like when the royal we we'll... can. <laughs> uh, Briscoe and Patterson call Vince McMahon to see this. They say, "Don't even flush. Just don't take the time. Just leave that turd sitting in the toilet. You got to see what's going on." So there is a face buster and then a no count by the referee. Triple H tries to take off the mask. Shane comes in with a chair. There's an elbow drop from Tess and a quick count. Triple H got screwed. Okay. So, like, we kind of never find out who was in the mask, or do we? I mean, mean, is the the assumption that it's Vince? It's Vince. Which, it's also... And and he makes reference to this. It's very, very weird that you would wear a mask of yourself when you're trying to make people not think that it's you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I was waiting for something deeper. Hmm. Like, I wanted it to be Austin or something. Nope. Nope. You're not getting any of that. 
But we are getting it back in Vegas 10 or 15 minutes later. May and Moolah both have sex legs. And Stephanie has delivered a shot on a tray. Triple H is yelling at the cops backstage. You know that it was Vince. The police interview him. He makes the same note. If I was going out there, would I wear a mask of me? His alibi is, though, is Briscoe and Patterson, who let them know that he was taking a very nasty shit. And apparently Bruce Pritchard said that that is a true thing that Vince McMahon takes notoriously nasty shits. So, <laughs> well, it's because he has protein shakes all the time, I bet. I bet. Honestly, yeah. I'm sure he eats nothing but, like, steak. You know what I mean? Oh. Actually, wasn't that, some, wasn't that someone's job to yes. feed him Chateaubriand? Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Which I thought was a wine when I said that. Okay. So now we're getting into the actual wedding. The groomsmen, again, all wrestlers he's known for 14 months tops. Are Sean Chris- Stasiak made it into the wedding party, guys. Sean Stasiak is in the wedding party. Amazing. Meanwhile, Linda is helping the bridesmaids with their very fashionable capes. <laughs> That's like, this isn't a real wedding. You have no actual budget. Why do you have to buy the ugliest dresses? And, like, couldn't Linda get one that fit? Like, I don't understand why this was so difficult for everyone. Well, they spent all their time getting an ad taken out in USA Today. <laughs> well, I feel like that we I feel like we have uh, seen them go dress shopping for several many segments, and this is what they came out with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So DX is laughing backstage as we get start to get the uh, the bridal party introduced. Sean Stasiak comes out, and and uh, Lillian Garcia fumbles it a little bit, as though she's going, don't say meat, don't say meat, don't say meat, in her head. <laughs> then we've got Jen Jenny. Couldn't you try a little bit harder, or is that her real name? We've got, uh, it was, uh, yeah. We, we've got, <laughs> like, uh. What, what's going on here? We've got Mandy Van Dam, or MVD, as she's known as. And then <laughs> Corey Seabury really wanted some of Jeff Hardy. You could tell they were going to have fun tonight. I, I was wondering, like, like it, given if it was any other day, um, you know, like, at in WWE World, would they have just been, like, in the hoe train? You know what I mean? Like, was it, like... <laughs> Look, some days you're a host, some days you're a bridesmaid. You, know you what, never know. You know what they say, Eric? There, but for the grace of Godfather, go I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good set and spike there. Um, I did realize as they were all coming out that I would 100% go to a wedding with either Mae Young or Pat Patterson as my date. Hundred percent. I was I. I was also saying to myself, I want Pat Patterson at my wedding. Aw, you could have. He'd be great. <laughs> I feel like Nate, I feel like I'd fill that role. Uh, I feel like uh, that was what I was watching. I was like, I want to be at their table. You know what I mean? Let's watch that. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tess walks down the aisle to his own music. So so, so, so lame. It's like, yeah, it's like he might as well have just walked out to his own sex tape. It's just like (laughs) fucking gross, dude. Your your music, A, sucks. And B, like, this is not the time. 
Yeah, read the room. (laughs) (laughs) Stephanie comes out. She looks beautiful. You can't see her shoes. Yeah. That probably helps. Um, And, of course, they've got a priest. Of course, it's a Catholic wedding. Fucking McMahon's. But who is this fucking pair of generic R&B nobodies? Wow. That was Amazing. something. I felt like I was like, this is a Saturday Night Live sketch. I'm watching like uh, the Culpeppers or whatever. Like that's what it felt <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Like it was that level of polish and professionalism that I was really looking for where they were trying extremely hard, <laughs> but they were entirely misguided. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, misguided by voices. <laughs> Um, Natalie Natalie turns to me and goes, like, is the game that they're supposed to be bad singers? And we said, no, <laughs> not at all. And it's so long. There's... Do they have to do the extended version? Like, the full, like, the 10-minute the remix? With the, it was, like, the song where it's, like, together, together. No, wait, Eric. Um, we, so it's together, our love will last forever. Let's harmonize. You ready? Together, yeah. together, together uh, our love, love will last forever. forever. We did. It's like it's we like did they got as the good a job, if not better. It's like they took. Uh, you know, there was a there was a a special The Bachelor. It was called like um, they did it right after, or they did it soon after the um, uh, A Star Is Born, mm-hmm. and it was like what was it called like. Uh, it was basically they they were like we're gonna have all these people like collaborate on making music and also fall in love with each other and it seemed like that like, this was one of those competing couples. <laughs> that wasn't Tori, one of them singing, right? No, 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 no. Okay, no. We're sure. By the way, Te- Tess could not keep a straight face. Well, Tess was also sweating but... like a motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, he was. <laughs> Like, like, well, it was his wedding day. Well, it's the first time he's had his arms covered in the ring ever. (laughs) I'm surprised he didn't. He didn't have a little pin of his symbol. Uh, I will say it is super weird to see dudes with really long hair wear collared shirts. Like I have been growing my hair out, and I cannot wear a collared shirt. It feels it feels weird. I fe- it feels like putting clothing on a dog. But we get to the "Speak Now or Forever Hold Your Peace" moment, and at that point, Triple H's music hits. We are taken to Vegas. We're driving up to the Little White Wedding Chapel, where Which, Joan Collins fact. and Michael oh. Jordan got married at. It made me wonder, to each other? Yeah, which Michael Jordan? (laughs) uh, This is for real where Jim Ross has gotten married and Bruce Pritchard got married and a bunch of other people related to WWF. They had a relationship with that place. Oh, I like that. Fun fact. Well, they must. Were they they trying to pull the dais from the back of a police car with a chain? (laughs) (laughs) That's why they kept the relationship with this place. <laughs> Triple H says he's driving down in Vegas. Can't think of anything better than adult movies. So they get to the wedding chapel, and the woman hold there on, hold says, on, "Wait, wait, this oh, wait. is an important. We do have to acknowledge okay. that this was a time before the internet was prevalent. So getting adult uh-huh. movies like that, that is like, you know what? Maybe that is kind of exciting. Uh, going, you to don't a get place that at the Mighty Ducks Cincinnati movie. Arena. True." 
True, true, true. So they get to the chapel. The woman comes out and goes, are you Triple H? Big WWF fan, apparently. And that's where we learn that Stephanie is passed out in the passenger seat. Her own damn fault. Through the wedding, Triple H does the worst ventriloquist job ever. Answers all the questions for her. It turns out that the person who was filming this was the short-haired bartender from the bachelorette party. Implying that he spiked that last shot that he served her specially is is sort of the implication here. He roofied her. Uh, So, Stephanie bursts into tears. Triple H says, So, as a member of the immediate family... I have a you ha, probably have some questions, Dad, and the question is is how many times did I rape your unconscious daughter? Yikes! Yeah, yeah, yep. And now I have what, to. Ask, and that's what they end on. Is this it? Yeah, yeah. I I have to ask. By the way, is this how Steph and, and Triple H got married, and and how the relationship continued to this day? That's exactly it. They <laughs> yep, legally this, this is, is it. it, and then she's been this story. We're still waiting for the payoff, actually, of the storyline. <laughs> right? He's 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 eventually going to grant her an annulment. Yeah, yeah. We're still waiting for the payoff. Hmm. Well, we definitely don't get it on SmackDown that week, where Stephanie is booed by the audience, which unfortunately called like a slut. Yeah, which or un- what? unfortunately the way that that we treat women is one of the more accurate parts of this storyline um yeah like i don't i don't understand how you how you can be like oh this this woman she went and got herself drugged and passed out and ruined test's wedding like i it's really hard for me to see the perspective on that from like any you know what i mean from any time any any conceivable person human being so she's out in the ring. She calls Vince and Shane out. They're backstage. Vince has a bat in his head. He loves that bat. Um, and that's where she says, the only person I have to blame for myself. And we all say, no, I'm pretty sure we can blame Triple H on this. And the waiter. And the waiter. Um, so she's here doing her public apology bit. But this all boils down to Stephanie wants to do this on her own. And Shane promises that he will stay out of it. And Vince gives the angriest promise ever, but also promises to stay out of it. Can I say, by the way, that the thing that really stuck out to me before she calls Shane and Vince out uh, out to the to the ring, uh, Steph held her own for a long amount of time in front of an entire arena mm. like a couple months ago, this was the girl who just knew how to smile dumbly, and she you can you get a glimpse of like the stuff that you know that we see mm-hmm. twenty years later, yeah. you know what I mean, like just like giving a promo that's a really good point, Eric, yeah, the evolution of now one of the the most competent mic workers in the industry you're here, yeah, that's a lot of it's a lot of faith to have in her mm-hmm. to be like, well. You know, not only are we going to make her like the center of this story, but we're just, you you go out, you have your moment. 
you know, no no net for you. So but DX long, comes. It, oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah. It, it's Take been a, a long road with that, though. It's been a long road for her, like to get to that. And we've seen like the beginning how scripted, how overly cautious they were with everything. And I think to see this is you're right is like a huge, a huge moment to get there. But she's always been she was always like looked at in the back as like very bright and competent and like took to the business very naturally. The Kurt Angle of uh, <laughs> creative uh, of bo- of boss's daughters. Wait. Actually, I, I read about this, Bobby. She would uh, she would go home and cut promos for all of her stuffed animals. <laughs> <laughs> so DX comes out, starts talking a bunch of shit, calls out Triple H, who comes out wearing the Vince McMahon mask. They go through the gift game. Um, Mr. Ass got him some lingerie. And then they do the great exchange of, is this crotchless? I don't know. As if they could not see what's in front of them. Um, And Road Dog. My favorite is X-Pac's gift, which is nothing. He gave him nothing. (laughs) He gave him a box of nothing. Man, X-Pac is such a fucking dirtbag. Like, if you're going to order dinner with X-Pac, get the money up front. (laughs) I'll Venmo you later. Believe me. (laughs) Yeah, sure. And then Road Dog got a front row ticket for Stephanie McMahon for Armageddon so she could see his her father get the shit beat out of him. We go back I mean, sta- don't they get comp tickets? <laughs> we go backstage where Stephanie and Tess talk for the first time since Monday. And she <laughs> says, Do you still love me? And Tess goes, uh, I don't know what to feel anymore. Cool guy. Yeah, because creative hasn't told him. <laughs> um, Stephanie, though, talks to uh, Vince and Shane and again goes, it's all my fault. I'm so sorry. I hate I hate it here. Yeah, this part sucks. Yep. And there's a, there's a whole bunch of treading water on the Raw the following week. Um, Stephanie gives Triple H the annulment papers as X-Pac wants her in the shower. There's a whole bunch of, like, giggling bullshit at that there. Um, I guess the, the important thing to say is that uh, Triple H maneuvers this so that if um, Vince McMahon beats him, he will give Stephanie the annulment that she wants. And if triple h wins he will get the title shot that vince mcmahon is going to deny him of which is an appropriate conclusion you would like the logical conclusion of this rivalry leading to this match yep less necessary is hunter grabbing stephanie and kissing her forcibly (sighs) yep Though at the very least, so we end with Kane and Test versus Hunter and X Pac, and at least that was fun at the end. Yeah, uh, Kane had this great. There was a great move where X Pac was going to do a Bronco Buster on I think Tori, yeah, and Kane catches him by the throat, and I was like, "That's cool. I like that." Yeah, yeah that was really a really good what, spot. Don't really know what Tori was doing in the ring there, but whatever. If it led to something cool like that, I don't think Tori knew either. So this has been the infamous wedding of last century, and we will see how this pays off in Armageddon. 
Anybody have any last thoughts? Well, I, I, I actually had a question. I mean, uh-huh. like, I was jo- I was joking about, like, is this how Triple H and Steph get married? But it is crazy to me that in real life, Triple H and Steph are married and they did a, you know, they, they did a storyline where he marries her. Um, was, like, what was going on backstage? Like, was, you know, was Triple H still with China at this point? Was this just, like, literally just work and then... Maybe they like they formed a relationship later on, but this might have been like the beginning of them like depends who you interacting. Ask. Stephanie and Triple H both maintain that they were not in a relationship at this point. Uh, Triple H was still with China at this point, uh, but a lot of things to remember is like ulcers were going through this at the wedding with the the actual segment the limo that was Triple H shot that all himself. He produced that whole bit himself um, of the actual like uh, Vegas. Uh, kidnapping he that was his idea that was his execution he filmed it he produced it uh so this is triple h who has always been and continues to be obviously an incredibly ambitious person in real life paul levesque being a very ambitious person some might say too ambitious uh and working with the head of the company and working with his daughter who obviously has a lot of influence and a lot you know backstage and you know is maybe at this point is he attracted to that influence and that power maybe is that what sort of starts to draw the, him spending more time with her over time because uh it's a chance to really impact his own storyline and have a direct line to management maybe so it is like a very hmm. it does set in motion a universe of things not to mention how it will play out um i'm, I'm talking i'm only i'm not talking about storyline i'm talking about strictly backstage um how it plays out for china uh, and everything else but at this point in the story specifically they are they maintain they were not in a relationship there are whispers right. to the contrary but they maintain that at this point they're not in a relationship and we'll see how that plays out soon but in the meantime love us disagree want to serve us too much Coors Light and Champagne <laughs> name us valedictorian of fall school let us know Email us at HelenaCellPhone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at HelenaCellPod or tweet at us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at SlowPass. Our theme song is There Are Traitors in Our Mitts by Disco Vietnam and our artist by Alexis Yadney. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back again next time with Armageddon 1999.